So I first met Ira as a filmmaker at a documentary workshop, actually, where he was screening his film Surf Berlin. And this is a film about Ira trying to catch a wave made by a cruise ship that sails through the Baltic Sea. So yeah, he showed the trailer and naturally, you know, it's quite a unique idea. So everyone there was like, wow, this is different. Let's, what, what's this guy up to? He describes himself as an artist, but he also makes documentaries, music videos, and has actually built his own studio apartment in the northern suburbs of Berlin. He's certainly no stranger to, to big projects. For one of his projects, Citizen Stand, he's recorded and uploaded over a thousand videos. So I wanted to talk to Ira to see how he handles bigger projects and what enables him to take these big projects from start to finish. We talk about his childhood, his parents, what he does before he commits to a big project. And also we talk about the things which may help some of us keep going even when we're not having fun and it all just seems like a big struggle. And just a quick note before I start, if you have any feedback at all, any feedback whatsoever about the podcast or what you're reading on the website, please don't hesitate to head to the contact page and let me know what you're thinking because it's your input, it's your advice, it's your feedback, it's your suggestions that I need to to build this website, to to make it something that's going to help people and be useful to, to others going through tough times, wanting to express themselves more freely without fear. I need to know what you want to hear about. So without hesitation, please let me know um, if anything's not working for you or if there's something I'm doing already that you think is great and I should keep doing. Okay, here's the interview. Would you wake up one day and be like, okay, I don't feel like doing a stand video today? No, never. I mean, like, would you wake up in the morning and not look at yourself in the mirror? Yeah, I have, but that's been a conscious, uh, a conscious decision. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I don't have a mirror in my house, so I don't do that. But like, I'm just—it's like an example of like, like if someone's a writer, they might just just take a note every day or write down their dream. So that's what stand videos are like. It's just a. A thing that I'll do the rest of my life, for sure. strange slapping noises yeah so we're we're actually sitting at your lake house we're not in a studio lake house lake house what do you what would you call this place i call it i call it a lake house but it's not a lake house it's a uh shanty shack on on the water i look like uh macaulay culkin when i was a kid so the Neighborhood kids, they actually didn't know my name, they just called me Macaulay. 
I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, about four blocks from the beach in a community of probably 500 houses in a valley that uh, if you wanted to get out of the valley is kind of a big deal because you had to climb up a steep cliff. So yeah, pretty much saw the same kids every day. Had a brother, older brother, who was fun to hang out with and fight with. Very understanding parents. They got more understanding the older I got, which was perfect. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of freedom my whole life, which is awesome. So you've always had this, this freedom to kind of do what you're interested in and just, you've had that support. It sounds like your, your parents have been, well, like, how were they growing up? They were, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't let me go to bed unless I finished the spinach or brush my teeth, you know. I couldn't sleep on the couch. Like, they, they had certain rules about how, how a kid should be raised, which is cool. But when it came to, like, doing what I was interested in, they were totally accepting. Well, you know, of course, like I said, the older I got, the more accepting they were. Like when I was a kid, they made me play piano, which I hated. And that ended, I think, when I called my teacher a bitch. But, um, you know, nobody's perfect. What, but what's the story about your last piano lesson? Like, how did that go down? <laughs> Um, yeah, I was probably in seventh or eighth grade, and uh, once a week I'd walk from my school to a piano teacher, Kit. Her name was Kit. And I just was really unmotivated. I didn't like playing piano, I didn't like teaching, or her teaching. And, uh, I don't know what exactly happened, but she she easily got upset when when I expressed, you know, lack of interest in what she was teaching me. So I don't know if I called her a bitch, but it was, you know, I said something bad that made her just realize that that was it. It was over. She wouldn't be teaching me ever again. And she told my parents that, and that was it. I mean... If it was my decision, I would have stopped years before, you know? Because it's like, you know, you, you expose your kids to things you think might be good for them, but if they aren't into it, then you gotta just let it go. When did you get, when, when did you get into art, do you remember? I remember watching Bob Ross on Channel 9 TV. And just like him and other TV shows like Sesame Street, I don't know, I forget, but I remember just trying to copy what they were doing and just being inspired by how easy they made everything look. So when I was like four, three or four, 
This is probably the earliest memory I have of like wanting to be an artist. And yeah, I was probably six or seven the first time I got in trouble for being an artist. My uh, kindergarten teacher, she had us draw our family or our parents. That was the lesson for the day. And I drew my parents naked because I often saw them naked. And so she had a talk with my parents. She, th she thought something was wrong with me. That I would draw a naked person. How dare I? I mean, that, that's something that I could understand when you're like in sixth grade. But in kindergarten, man, you gotta just let the kids do whatever. Yeah. Was there a piece of advice that your parents gave you that's kind of stuck with you over the years? I can't remember a specific thing they said, but just more of a, it's more of a feeling, you know, of them just being very accepting of who I was from the beginning. That was very lucky for me to have growing up. And they're still that way. They're my number one fans. How would you describe your dad? Loves to, to uh, entertain people, like at dinner parties and stuff. My mom's the more of a one-on-one -on -one type, and my dad's better in groups. Um, he's he's a total softy in his old age. It's nice to see. He's pretty harsh at times as a dad, but I don't think he expected what it would be like to take care of a kid that's always getting in trouble. So it sounds like you, you had a few run-ins with authority figures? Well, my, my dad, I forgot to mention, but he's a big-time troublemaker, so I for sure get that from him. The closest I got to spending the night in juvenile hall was partially because of him. I mean, it's totally my fault, but he helped me build this uh, gun, like a potato gun. I got caught driving around with it. It's stupid. But um, where were you driving to? Oh, we were just, you know, driving through the woods, shooting or shooting. We were at the time we were shooting lemons at like street signs and stuff, you know, totally harmless. We were driving in a state park right as it was closing and I saw a ranger coming. And so I turned off the lights and I told all my, I had four friends in the car with me, like to duck. So we turned the lights off. The ranger probably saw this and we stopped the car, turned the car off and we were all ducking. And so he turns his lights on and just pulls up and sees us all hiding. Yeah, if I would have just kept driving, it wouldn't have been a problem, but I kind of liked getting in that kind of trouble. It was fun. My dad was, uh, he had one job. He was uh, being the librarian at Stanford University. And my mom was a school teacher, math and Spanish. You know, both of my parents retired at around age 55, which is pretty cool. 
I think I was 27 when I retired. <laughs> yeah, it was a short career. That's for sure. So you just, it's just all chilling at the lake these days and not doing much at all. Or, but I know that's, that's not true because you make a lot of stuff. You've got a lot of projects you work on. And I originally wanted to talk to you about your, your Citizen Stand project. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a little bit about it before. Mm. But I'd love to know when that, when that started. Like, did it come about like spontaneously? Like, hey, I just want to do this thing where I stand and record myself. Or was it more, I've got this project and I'm just going to keep doing it. Because you've got over a thousand videos now on YouTube. How did that happen? Growing up, I uh, kind of got familiar with the video camera because my dad was always filming us, our soccer games, and just traveling and stuff. And so I started playing around with his camera and borrowing it to the point where he pretty much never had access to it anymore. <laughs> And uh, so yeah, one day I just decided to, yeah, in 94, I decided I wanted to document, document myself growing. Um, so I would have my dad film me standing in front of the oven in the kitchen. And I do that every week. And I did that until the year 2000. From 94? Yeah. Not consistently every week, but in the beginning it was almost every week or every few weeks. And then toward the end I kind of forgot about it because of high school and stuff. But there, there's some ones where I'm older and a lot more embarrassed to be doing something like that. Kind of feel like, oh, this is a childish thing to be to still be doing, but I felt obligated to do it because I decided, you know, when I was a kid that I wanted to see my growth and the changes in my body. But then I stopped for seven years before I started the new series and actually chose a name for it and made it public. And then what, what brought it back for you? What was like, hey, I wanna, I wanna start making these again? Um, well, back in 2006, I was getting into watching videos on YouTube. It was like a new, new thing. And back then, the community was really small. So it was easy to meet people, make friends, and uh, people were always commenting and talking about each other's videos. I decided, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, video blogs. I think you call them vlogs, or they used to. But everyone was doing them. It's kind of like, uh, you know, what selfies have become today. It's like everyone felt like they were important enough to talk about nothing in front of nobody so I figured why not try that but 
without the talking. Yeah, and when I started, I, I didn't even remember that I was making stand videos as a kid. I didn't realize that until like five years into the project. And I started thinking like, hey, I have these old tapes of me standing in the kitchen. So it's funny how how consistent my, if you could call it a style, <laughs> my style is. And the third reason why I did it was because I wanted to prove to myself that I could stand. Because back then, I couldn't hardly stand. I was uh, quite severely disabled. So it was like, uh, nobody knew it except me, but it was like kind of a personal statement. And the longer I could stand, the better I felt about my health and the direction it was heading. So what, what was this disability? What was, what was keeping you from... I couldn't walk. My feet were swelling constantly and just in a lot of pain and standing still was really, really difficult. The most challenging thing in my whole life has been just dealing with this um, physical illness, I guess you could call it. Does it have a name or is it is it just something? That's yeah, it does. It's called uh, HLA-B27. I got it from my dad. I think it has similarities to arthritis. Makes your tendons very vulnerable to injury and swelling. It also makes healing from injury extremely difficult. So like this foot thing that it made it almost impossible for me to walk was took years, years to recover from. And when I was filming and surfing for the Surf Berlin project, I was fucked up during that whole thing. It was a struggle. Especially when it's cold out, it's even worse. Keep your muscles warm. And in the winter of 2011, 2012, I was trying to catch this wave that had never been documented, surfed before. Um, be partially because it's such a hard wave to catch, because it only comes the wave I was trying to catch, which can get up to head high and higher, only comes about once a month in that, at that quality and size. And uh, why it comes so irregularly is because it's produced by a giant ship. Every two hours I was paddling out when this ship passed by. It was a ferry, ferry boat on the Baltic. So completely flat, um, paddle out and just hope that the ship's going fast enough. But 95% of the time it wasn't. So, yeah, that was physically hard. I paddled out 150 times trying to catch this thing. What keeps you going with, with a, like, a longer project? Like, where, where, where does this motivation come from? I mean, I did stop making stand videos for two years. And I, uh, well, I stopped uploading them. I still made them. 
just felt natural to document myself. So it's more of a journal that's very easy to access from anywhere. It's a daily journal of where I was, who I was with that day, and uh, sometimes how I was feeling. What about projects that you you start but don't finish? Have you had a lot of those or do you, do you not struggle with, with that? If I start something, I'm going to finish it because I've carefully decided that this is important for me, I will enjoy doing it, and uh, maybe some other people will also enjoy it. That's interesting. So you really think, think it through and think, is this something that's, that I'm going to enjoy making? And yeah, I mean, I've, I've sketched a bunch of other ideas and brainstormed stuff. I mean, we talked about making a video game together, for example. Yeah, that was fun. Which would be fun, but, you know, there's a limited amount of time for stuff like this. Yeah, and that's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, that was the video game we were talking about, having full-on dream sequences and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Free roaming and all this. Yeah. You would need a team. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> More than just two guys with <laughs> with cool like, cool game ideas. What about uh, like any critical like self thoughts or procrastination? Do you ever suffer from any of that or is No. no. Uh, I mean I, I I treasure not doing anything. You know, the times where I'm just out here at the lake or just sitting in my studio kind of just doing nothing those are great moments but when i'm into an idea i i uh i don't have control of how much energy i put into it it's uh it consumes me yeah so i'm a very obsessive person and very stubborn but that's interesting to hear that you there's just no critical voice there. It's just like you think about a project, it starts as an idea, you write it down, and if you think it's good or what, like you're going to enjoy it and other people might enjoy it, then you start it, and you start it, you're going to finish it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then along the way, there's, there's no like, what if people don't like this? Um, this is, oh, this is a shitty idea. Like, what are people going to think? No, no. I mean, every every project I do, the one of the overarching themes of the thing that I'm doing has to be that it's somehow fun. It could be fun in that moment or fun in the memory. You know, some some of my projects I put myself through a lot of torture and pain, and also for other people who are helping with the surf Berlin but uh, you know when you look back at it it's totally it was totally awesome and I'm glad I did it you know it's that type one versus type two fun type one fun is like last night swimming in the lake and you're laughing because it's so magical and type two fun is like like when I built my studio it was awesome because I was like living I mean, it was it was terrifying because I was living in this cold studio, 
building a place that I wasn't strong enough to build or capable enough. This is your lo or your financially, you know, fit to be taking on such a big project. Yet I was with friends and had a lot of fun and looking back at like the pictures and videos from that time, it's like I wouldn't have done it different. That's the type two fun. In the moment you're like, fuck this is tough. Right, so type one is more the direct experience. Yeah, in the moment, fun. Mm -hmm. And type two is like the memory being fun. But at, but at the time it wasn't that fun. You weren't no. like, it was oh, just. Yeah, a lot of it was just difficult, stressful. Yeah, I put my body and mind through a lot to build that place. So, but that's, you know. This is, this is the place, because I mean, I know which place you're talking about, but for someone listening to this, this is your place in Berlin, in Vetting. And it's, how would you describe it? It's like a warehouse apartment. Yeah, it's a, it's an old, um, when I found it, abandoned warehouse. There used to be a factory for making machine tools, like, so pretty industrial stuff. I found it in 2008, was squatting there for nine months and then signed a contract and for five years, pretty minimally made it livable, but also just used it for making art and just having parties and stuff. And sharing it with people. I mean, for 300 bucks, you don't really think about it twice. Like, of course I'll keep that place. <laughs> and then, yeah, two years ago, signed a new contract with uh, a lot more money involved. And so, I put a little more investment in because I also had a little more security of how long I could stay. And yeah, I turned it into this ridiculous place that um, it basically I built, the, it's like building a house from the inside out. Like the structure was there, but everything is new. The floor, the walls, the windows, the bathrooms, the electrical, the kitchen, everything. And you, but you knew going into that space, you knew that you were going to have to do all this work. Not, not really. What did you expect? Like, you were like, hey, I'm just going to, did you even have a plan? Yeah, yeah, I, I drew out a lot of ideas, but I had no idea that construction work always takes two or three times as long as you think it will. Especially for someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Like, I learned how to use a saw on this project. Yeah, but I'm just saying it was uh, super naive of me to think I could pull it off. It's such a huge project. Like basically after this, I feel like I could build a house from scratch. That's the knowledge I came out of from this project. I could build my own house. For me, I just I think about a project that size. And I couldn't imagine myself, like I'd look, I'd be like, hey, this is a cool space, but I cannot imagine myself learning all this like what was the process like we was there a point where you realized how much work was involved and you were thinking okay this is too much for me or you're always just oh that needs to be done now so i better better design that and put that up i think both like my my mom is a lot like this like she uh is very present in the moment 
you know, if she starts out on a hike or a walk or whatever, or an adventure, she's only thinking about how fun it might be or just the idea that, oh, this, this could be really cool. I could meet some cool people. And then if it turns out to be a lot more than she expected, then it just happens. And that's kind of how it happened with the studio. I thought, like, it'd be really cool to do all these things that I'm thinking about. But I had no idea that it would take so long or be so much work. And uh, there were moments where I for sure felt pretty lost and like I wouldn't finish it and that I would have just spent all this money for no reason and time and energy. There were some really low moments, but type two fun, 100%. But how did you know that at the time? Like, I didn't. No, no, I didn't know that. So what, what kept you going then? It just got so unpleasant. Well, that's just m my stubbornness. Like when I start a project, I can't, it's just in me to not give up. Like have you ever had to give up on something? on a project or another kind of thing you were working on? I don't think so. I've never started a big project and then stopped it for no reason, or for, because I couldn't finish it. I think, I think we're coming to the end of the, the discussion, the interview. I don't know what to call this. Interview. Interview sounds so formal. Kind of scares me a bit. Talk. Talk. Hey, if there was one piece of advice you could give your yourself at any point in your life, what would it be? Like in the past? In the past, if you could go back and be like, hey, this is how it is, or whatever. That's a good question. I guess if I could go back in time and tell myself some piece of advice, it'd be that type 2 fun exists and that it's, it's um, worth the struggle, for sure. Because sometimes you're in something that you believe a lot about, but it's really hard to get through. But then looking back at it, it's, you just feel so grateful that you did it and grateful what you learned from it and I think a lot of people might be discouraged or want to quit but if you know that that, that type 2 exists then I think you can get through a lot more than you think and now when I'm in the middle of tough situations or you know physically or emotionally or mentally I'm being tested, I look at the broader, broad picture, you know, to put on my fish islands and just realize that life is good and that you're lucky to be here. Have you got any advice for me? I mean, I'm just starting these interviews very much at the beginning of 
my own project and for me this is the this is the probably the biggest project I've ever committed to I guess at this point I'm just worried like I mean a lot a lot of my projects I start them they're amazing I, th I think wow I can just imagine how they're gonna be and how how much people will enjoy them or whatever and then the reality of actually making it kind of doesn't fit this image because I've imagined this amazing future where everyone's like hey man you have such an amazing project or it's so great make more stuff but at the start and for a long time mm -hmm. I know it's not like that you just make the stuff and that's it you just keep showing up sure. so do you have any advice for me maybe when I'm feeling like hey what why am I doing this let's throw in the towel like or other people who might be thinking this similarly yeah, I think it has to do with making sure from the start you have a solid idea of how things can evolve. And it can always change, which is great. You start one way, and it can end another way. Life is not consistent, and neither does art have to be. So just think of it as a, as a journey. I really like that because often I can approach a project like I have to know exactly what I'm going to do and then go and do it exactly how I planned I was going to do it. The same way. Okay. But I'm also open to knowing that things can also be completely different than what you originally planned. You have to, you have to be open to that. So it's okay to change your mind? Of course. Of course. Get it wrong, get it right. Just yeah, keep, yeah. Just keep going. I mean, only God is gonna judge you. That's <laughs> that's all you need to worry about. Just God. Yeah, just God. Not not other people. Okay, no other pressure. Other people don't exist. What do you mean? Well, when you're making something for yourself, it's yours, and as an artist and as a creator, you're you're alone with your idea and you're the only one who can truly judge it. I really like that point. You're making it for yourself. It doesn't matter what other people think, it's as long as it feels right for you to make. Oh, what, what other reason is there to make art? Nice. Yeah, something like that. <laughs>